Well, good morning, y'all. It's 9.30. You all are looking good, right? I almost wondered if we should start this morning's service with, with a time of repentance, because some of you probably got up this morning 15 minutes early cursing my name, right? <laughs> no, y'all made it. It's good. Week number one in our new schedule. I'm so excited to see you this morning. We're kicking off a new series called Who's Your One? Not to be confu- confused with Who's Your One, for anybody from, that's from Indiana, okay? You might catch that later, all right. Um, who's your one? Um, you know, this series is really about this, this big kind of biblical word that we call evangelism, which can kind of be a scary word. What does that even mean? Let me explain evangelism, this big Bible word, in really simple terms. It's really simply introducing people to Jesus. That's really what it's all about. It's making an introduction. Um, you know, as a, as a, as a pastor, um, so I've been here at Friendship for, goodness, two and a half months maybe, so pretty fresh. Um, and one of the, the privileges that I have, one of the things that I love about this role, and if you don't know my story, uh, I've been waiting, praying, dreaming about being in this role as a lead pastor. And some of you all are like, Really, part of your dream involves Lugoff, South Carolina? Yes, it does. This is an answer to prayer. Um, But you know, one of the things I wasn't prepared for when I stepped into this role is this really simple little thing. I remember the first time that I was with, with, with one of our folks here and was introduced to somebody else. And you know what she introduced me? On the outside, I was like, yes, well, greetings, hello, God bless you. And inside, I was like a giddy little schoolgirl. I was like, that was so cool. And I say that because I have a giddy little schoolgirl at home. She's so excited for school tomorrow. Um, but there was this thing inside of me that was like, that was really cool. She, like, there was kind of this, I sensed in her this kind of proud um, type of thing, like, this is my pastor. Like, he, I love my pastor, and I would love for you to meet my pastor. It's like, for me, I love to introduce people to my wife because I think she's awesome. And I think you, if you knew her like I know her, you would love her too. And she would make you a better person for knowing her. You know, I love to introduce people to my kids because I think they're pretty awesome. Most of the time, they're pretty awesome. (laughs) And I think if you knew them, you would love them too. And if you knew them, they would make you better for knowing them. How much more so when it comes to Jesus that we could say, I know the God of the universe who loves me and is gracious and kind and is forgiving and is with me through the highs and the lows. Man, if you knew him like I knew him, you would love him too. And if you knew him like I know him, he would make you so much better. He would make you a better person for knowing him. Amen? This is what evangelism is. It's, we sometimes get scared and intimidated by it, and I get it. I'm a pastor, and I get it because I'm right there with you. And so the, the goal of this series, Who's Your One, is about trying to take this intimidating, huge responsibility and making it simple and, and, and easy and not intimidating. You know, when I think about this series, I think about this old question. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. If you know the answer, feel free to speak it out, okay? Here's, here's the old question. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You knew it, okay? I was waiting for like medium well or rare or, you know, (laughs) knife and fork. Um, If you were to, the idea behind this question is you you don't take a huge task and do it all at once. It it, it breaks down into little pieces, bite-sized pieces. You do it one bite at a time, right? That's that's the idea behind this, this whole thing. And, you know, when I think about just moving here, Okay, for our family to move here two and a half months ago, 
Like that wasn't something where we said, okay, we're going to Lugoff, and the next day we were here. That was a process. You know what I'm talking about? If you've ever moved, you know it takes a, lot, a series of a lot of little steps. We had to put our house on the market, which took a lot of steps to get there, and we had to sell it. Then we had to wrap up things um, in Springfield, Missouri, and then we had to find a home here, and then we had to move our stuff. It was one bite at a time, right? Uh, one of the questions that we've gotten as we've moved here is, are you settled in yet? And I can honestly say yes, but you know what? It, that question is born out of this curiosity that, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of steps. It takes a lot of little bites. You know, for us, it was one box at a time, right? It was one room at a time, and we're settled in. And that's what we're talking about with this idea of who's your one. There's, this is a big task to get the gospel to the whole world. And how are we ever going to do this? Uh, let, me, let me talk to you for a second about the story of the Bible. You've heard me talk about this over the last few weeks since I've been here. Really, the, the Bible, the, the, the story of God's redemptive story throughout history, is a, it, I mean, this is a big book. There's a lot of characters. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of confusion. Sometimes if you read through this, here's, here's how I try to make the Bible simple. It's, it, it's broken down into four parts. The story of God, and really every good story kind of breaks down into these four parts. It starts out with the creation, okay? God created everything with the word of his mouth. He created it for his glory and, 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 and for his pleasure, for worship, and then something happened. It's called the fall. Okay, Adam and Eve, sin entered the human race because God laid out his right, perfect, pure way and man moved in another direction. Man went his own way, and that's called sin. Introduced this brokenness into the human race. And so for all of human history since that point, man and woman are born into this world with a sin nature, and so we fight this brokenness in our lives. And throughout the Old Testament, throughout history, you see these prophets that God raises up who are doing nothing more than proclaiming that there is a, mess a Messiah coming, an anointed one who is going to come and make all things right. He is going to rescue us from our brokenness and our sin. And that is what the rescue is. It's the fact that God came to earth as a, a man in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And he came in order to live a perfect life, to lay his life down as a sacrifice. That if we would trust in him and his sacrifice for our sin, we could know forgiveness and freedom. And we would wait for this one day that is coming, which is the fourth part of the story, the restoration, when Jesus comes back to this planet and makes all things new, and he restores everything to the original design, which was pure and right. And so we have the creation, the fall, the rescue, which in any good story is when it's the climax. It's when the hero wins the day, and then restoration is this happily ever after. This is the story of God throughout all human history. And we are, in, we are currently between the rescue, Jesus coming, and the restoration when Jesus comes back again. This is where we're situated in human history. But here's the deal. The mission of God's people in this day is to take the good news of God's rescue, right? And to spread that good news, what we call the gospel, to the ends of the earth, to every person on the planet, but if you heard the numbers in the opening video, that's a lot of people, right? That's like 7 billion people. And so how in the world are we ever going to get this message of good news to the ends of the earth? 
This is a task that seems, quite frankly, impossible, right? How in the world are we ever going to do that? Here's how we do it. One bite at a time, right? This is the, the sermon title this morning is One by One. We do it one by one. Because, listen, it's not your responsibility to take the good news to 7 billion people. It's not my responsibility. It's not our, even our responsibility as a church. We play a part in the church as a whole, taking the good news to the world. We each have a part, and that's one by one. Each person reaching one. It, 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 if you think about this, think about your family tree. Okay, wherever that started, however long ago, however many decades, centuries ago, your family tree started, it didn't just occur overnight, right? It was one plus one. It was a man and a woman who got married, got together, started having babies, right? And then what happened? Those babies grew up and started what? Started families and started doing what? Having babies, one by one by one. And it became not just reproduction, it became multiplication until you have this huge family tree, this line of Family members. This is what it looks like to be the family of God, to reproduce and multiply. And one by one, we get the good news to the ends of the earth. And so I want, I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And this is a story of Jesus when he came to this planet and he, he called out some men to be his followers. And this is a short little account here, but there's, there's a lot of important things that we can take from this story in Matthew chapter 4. And so let's read it together. Matthew 4 says this, verse number 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, speaking of Jesus, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. What a good name, right? <laughs> Simon and Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We're going to come back to this phrase because this is so important. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And it says in verse 20, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And Jesus, it says, he called them. And immediately, same response, they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Okay, so here's Jesus. He's calling these disciples to follow him. Now, I want to give you some historical background, okay? So there's some stuff you need to know about this kind of first century Jewish culture, okay? So all Hebrew boys, they would go to what they called Torah school until the age of five. Okay, the Torah, in case you're unfamiliar, it's the first five books of the Old Testament, okay? The first five books of Moses. So boys up until the age of five, they're going to Torah school. They're memorizing the first five books. Some of you all have it have an issue memorizing one verse. These are like two, three, four-year-olds memorizing the first five books of the Bible. Crazy, okay? Here, here's what would happen. By age 10, all the young boys knew the Torah, and the best students would go on to study the remainder of the Old Testament, all right? They would go on to study the remainder of the Old Testament. The rest, they would return home, and they would go home to do the family business, okay? That was the way this worked. By age 18, if they wanted to continue on in these like religious studies, here's what they would do. The next step at age 17, if they wanted to make a career out of this, they would find a rabbi that they admired, and they would go and sit at his feet. In other words, this was kind of saying, hey, I want to learn from you. I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. And, and they would apply to be one of his disciples. Now, 
the rabbi was in this pretty cool position where he could pick and choose, right? He could pick the best of the best. He could decide who he wanted or who he wanted to send away. Another reason why the rabbi was pretty particular when it came to who he was choosing was because he was looking for disciples who, who he could envision would be just like him. Okay, so not just knowing what he knew, but they would do what he did. And so the rabbis would be really particular. They would pick out the best of the best to follow them. So they would choose them. And then for several years, these young disciples would follow their rabbis around, and they would imitate their every move. Really, the goal of a disciple was to be just like their rabbi. Okay, so understanding that context and in in the culture of that day. Here you have the rabbi, who is Jesus, the teacher, and he's coming to these potential disciples. And, and there, there's a few things I want us to see this morning. The first thing is this. Jesus chose or chooses the willing, not necessarily the able, okay? He wasn't necessarily looking for the willing and the able. He was looking for the willing, those who were willing to follow him. So he comes along, he sees these two brothers, right, Simon and Andrew, and what, what's their profession? What do they do? They're fishermen, right? These are normal, everyday guys, Okay, this is not the best of the best. These aren't guys who have studied their whole lives and they, 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 they did the Torah training, but they're, they're doing the family business, right? They're fishermen, they're everyday Joes. And Jesus comes to them and he asks them to follow him. So in other words, he didn't choose the best of the best. He chose the B team, right? He chose the B team. I, I wanna read this quote to you from a pastor, John MacArthur. This is what he says. God skipped all the whys of the day. The great scholars were in Egypt. The great library was in Alexandria. The great philosophers were in Athens. The powerful were in Rome. It says that Jesus passed over Herodotus, the historian, and Socrates, the great thinker, and Julius Caesar. He chose men so ordinary, it was comical. I mean, these were fishermen, y'all. He chose these ordinary men, no rabbis, no teachers, no religious experts. And here's what I want you to hear this morning is, and you've, maybe you've heard this before. Jesus isn't looking for your ability. All he requires of you is your availability. He's not looking for the best of the best, the most learned, the most talented, the most skilled. He is looking for those who are the most willing. Those who would say, I will leave everything to follow you. Those who are willing. And for some of us who aren't very skilled, aren't very talented, we feel like we're pretty normal, we go, amen, right? He's not looking for the best of the best. You and I, aren't you thankful that Jesus picks the B team? Amen. Because <laughs> for most of us, that's us. That's our story. And I want you to see in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says this. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. Paul says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is what? Foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak 
in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Here's the reality. When we are skilled and talented and capable, you know what happens? We tend to depend on our skill and our talent and our capability rather than on God. And what we see from Jesus is he chooses not the capable, not the strong, not the powerful, not the wise. Sometimes he does. But he says, Paul says, there's not many that are wise and powerful and strong in the world's eyes. But the good news is Jesus goes for the willing. Amen? He is after the willing. And so I want to ask you this question this morning. It's really simple. Have you made yourself available? Have you made yourself available? Have you said, God, here I am. I'm yours. I am willing. For many of us, that's where we need to start this morning. Because Jesus is looking for, and Jesus chooses the willing. There's a second thing here. that, Man, I think this is so important that we see this. He chose us, not we him. He chose us, not we him. So remember, remember the culture. Normally the, the, the rabbi, the, the disciples would choose the rabbi, and then the rabbi would take stock of who is applying for this role of disciple, and would go, yes, yes, no, 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 yes, no. He was, you would choose the rabbi. In this scenario, Jesus is the one who is doing the picking. Jesus is the one who is doing the choosing. He is the one who is calling out. So for a disciple, here's what, here's what was awesome about being a, dis, a disciple. You would pick your rabbi, and if the rabbi picked you and you got to follow him, in the times of struggle, the times when you doubted yourself, you could always go back to this thing where you could say, you know what, my rabbi saw something in me. My rabbi believed in me. He chose me to follow him. And that could give you confidence and assurance in your identity and who you were. Can I just tell you something this morning? If you know Jesus as your Savior, if you have put your trust in him, in your times of struggle, in your times of doubt, in your times of weakness, you know what is incredible that you can fall back on? Is the truth that Jesus chose you. That Jesus picked you. Weak little you. Foolish little you and me. You know what the worst thing I think as a kid, as, as students are getting ready to go back to school, I don't think they do this as much anymore. Um, but you remember some of you adults when you were a kid, the worst thing as a kid was playing a game, right, like dodgeball or something. And what did you fear when you were picking teams? That you would be the last kid picked, right? That was the worst. That was the worst. Even if you were a middle-of-the-road kind of guy like me, you were like, please don't pick me last. Please don't pick me last, right? Because the tendency as a kid is not to just brush that off, right? There's the tendency to take that personally and form your identity around that. Like, man, I'm so unwanted, and I'm unloved, and I'm the loser who gets picked last, Right? Here's the deal. Some of us, as we go through the struggles of life, man, 
some of you are in this place this morning where if you know Jesus, you need to be reminded of something. That even in the low, even in the valleys, you can hang on to the truth. Jesus picked me. Jesus chose me. Jesus picked me up and said, I want you to follow after me. Man, I so believe in you and who you are and who you can become that I am choosing you. The best thing you can form your identity around is the fact that Jesus picked you. Amen? That he chooses you, not because of any good that you do, not because you're worthy, but because he is good and because he is worthy. John 15, verse 16, Jesus says this, you did not choose me, but what? Say it with me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Like, do you have a relationship with the rabbi? Do you? If you don't, if you'd be in in the room this morning and you would, in all honesty, say, you know what, I don't. I don't have a relationship with God. I, I believe maybe that he exists, or I'm not even sure about that. Can I just tell you something this morning? If you don't have a relationship with God, can I just tell you that you are not here by accident today? That Jesus, it's not about you picking God. The reality is that God comes after you. God comes after me. And he draws us to himself, to this place where we realize that we need him, that we need a relationship with him, that we are so lost without him. And can I just tell you, if you are in the room this morning, that God is calling out to you today, that he wants to know you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. He is choosing you today that if you would respond by faith and and be willing to open your life to him, man, he will come in. He will come into your life and he will turn you upside down because this is the God that we serve. This is the God that we love. He is a God who chooses us, not we, him. Well, there's another thing we see here. He calls us to full life. He calls us, he invites us into life, this full, abundant life. Okay, so think about this invitation from Jesus. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so there's a few things that Jesus calls these men into, okay? First of all, he calls them to be with him. Okay, what does he say? He says, follow what? Follow me. Okay, Here is the the primary and first calling of every single one of our lives. It's to be with Jesus. It's to be with him. It's to have a relationship with him. First and foremost, above everything else, that is the first calling. He calls us to himself. And then he calls them into this community. Okay? You know what Jesus was doing? He wasn't just calling Simon and Andrew. He goes on to James and John. He goes on to this whole group of 12 men that he calls to follow him. He forms this group of men he does life with them. He teaches them. He equips them. He sends them out. He calls them into this community, this life together. 
All right, this is what Jesus is doing. And then he calls them to become fishers of men. He calls them to take this good news, this invitation to life, to all the world. Now listen, don't miss this. Because he calls every single disciple to the same three things. Every single one of us to the same three things. To himself. He calls us to relationship with him. Again, some of you this morning need to come into a relationship with God. You need to stop just listening to who he is and listening to stuff about him. You need to open up your heart to know him and to be known fully by him. This is the first calling. He calls us to Christ. But then he calls us into community. He calls us to be a part of the family, part of this body of believers. Man, the reason y'all got up at Whatever ungodly hour you got up this morning to be here 15 minutes early is because you know the importance of being a part of community. Amen? That is why you do that. That is why we do this. Because we don't walk alone. We need one another. Some of us, however, we sit amongst a group of people and yet we continue to walk spiritually by ourselves. We continue to try to figure this thing out on our own. We continue to try to grow spiritually without any help whatsoever. This is like, this is like having a child and leaving a child out on the side, sidewalk and saying, hey, just figure it out on your own. You need to grow on your own. Why don't you feed yourself? Why don't you take care of yourself? And yet some of us as followers of Jesus, this is what we do. We're like the baby sitting on the sidewalk. You know, I saw an incredible example, and I'm seeing this played out in the life of our church as, as folks step out in need and other folks in our church say, hey, can we, can we come together and take our resources and help this person that needs furniture, that needs basic things that some of us have an abundance of? Can we rally around one of our own? And you see people responding, hey, I've got a couch. Hey, I've got, I've got bed linens. I, I'm just telling you, this is the beauty of God's family, of doing life together. This is what God calls us to, not to walk alone, to try to figure this out on our own, to try to grow spiritually on our own, but to come into community. This is why we do youth on Wednesday nights. This is why we do church on Sunday mornings. This is why we have small groups in the home. This is why we're doing this new-to-friendship lunch because we think it's important to become part of the community of God's people. Not just to be attenders, but to be participants. To be partners. Listen, I didn't plan on talking about this this morning, but one of the things we do as a church is we offer membership. A lot of churches do this, right? That you can become a member of our church. But I'm going to flip the, the language upside down. We're not calling it membership anymore. We're calling it partnership. Because when I think of membership, I think, hey, I've paid my dues to the country club. I've paid my annual fee to Sam's Club or Costco, and I get benefits as part of this, right? That's a membership. Partnership is this. We are in this together. We do life together. We have a shared commitment and a shared responsibility one to another. And this is what it looks like to be part of community. And this is what Jesus was calling these men to. To himself, he was calling them to community, and then he was calling them to be on mission. It, it wasn't, hey, just come be a part of 
my group of 12, my inner posse, and we're just going to do life together. And we're going to have fun. I'm going to teach you cool things. We're going to raise dead people to life. We're going to feed people with a few fish. Man, we're going to do some really cool tricks, and we get to hang out together. No, that, that, was, a, that was part of it. But it was, hey, you've walked with me. You've imitated me. You've learned my ways. Now take the good news. Take the life that you've experienced as part of this group, and you take it out to the world. You live on mission, not for the sake of yourself and your comfort and your pleasure, but for the sake of the world, for the sake of everyone else that has what you ha- or needs what you have. He was calling him to live on mission. Listen, this, this is what Jesus calls every single follower to, to himself, to community, and to live on mission. That is what this series is all about. Who's your one? It's the fact that Jesus calls us to live on mission. He calls us to bear fruit. He calls us to make disciples. And listen, our life is not full. Listen now. Our life is not full. Everything that God intended it to be, if we don't have these three, all three of these things at work in our lives. I'm telling you. If you don't have Jesus in your life, your life is, is lacking You need Jesus. You need purpose. You need the creator of the universe with you and in you. If you are not in community, if you just come here and hang out once in a while, rub shoulders with people but never do life in community with people, listen, your life isn't what God intended it to be. You're living half of a life, I'm telling you. And for many of us, here's the hardest part, because a lot of us, we are faithful to being part of the church. We know Jesus. Some of us are in our Bibles every single day. And probably the hardest thing for most of us is to actually tell people about the God that we love and to be on mission. And some of us get, man, the reason we don't talk about evangelism a lot in the church is because of the guilt trip that some of us feel, the shame that we're like, Man, I know God, and he's changed my life. How many people have you, have you told in your life? I, I don't know. Not a lot. Man, listen, we're all in that same boat. This isn't natural for us to talk about spiritual things in a natural world, and yet God has called us to this. And here's what I'm telling us this morning. If we would all be willing, that if we would give Jesus our lives and our mouths and be willing we don't have to be skilled in this we have to be willing God would say you know what I can use you if you would be willing to let your life shine that you would be willing to speak when I give you opportunity not to force things not to be weird and to say dumb things that push people away but to be someone who would be winsome and draw people to Jesus if you and I would just be willing God would use us. God would turn this community upside down. Not through a group of super talented people, but through people who are willing and have the power of God at work in and through their lives. This is what God is looking for. He calls us to full life. And here's the reason we are doing this series. Not to guilt trip you. Listen, not to make us feel shame, but because every single one of us Man, 
If we could be in this place where we're in Christ, we are in community, and we're living our lives on mission. Some of us, man, all we, we only have up to go. We only have more to grow, more to gain, more to learn, more full life to experience. Because I'm telling you, and you know this is true, that so many of us aren't living fully in all three of these things. Amen? Right? We struggle with these things, and yet this is the full life that Jesus calls us to. And we want to be a church who is all about doing these things because we believe that if we submit ourselves and are willing to give ourselves to God in these areas, man, we can experience full, abundant life. And this is what I want for you. This is what I want for me. He calls us to full life. Let me read this quote to you by an author named Robert Coleman. He wrote this incredible little book called The Master Plan of Evangelism, an incredible little book. And he said this, When will the church learn this lesson? Preaching to the masses, although necessary, will never suffice in the work of preparing leaders for evangelism, nor can occasional prayer meetings and training classes for Christian workers Uh, Neither will that do this job. Individual women and individual men are God's method. God's plan for discipleship is not something, but someone. You know who that someone is? It's you. It's me. God's plan for reaching the world isn't pastors who stand on the stage with a loud mouth and who just talk at people. It's you and me. It's all of us. God's method for reaching the world is not a stage, it's a platform. The platform of every single one of our lives. That is God's method. You're God's method. I'm God's method. Let let me share one last thing here that we see in in this passage. And this is where the rubber meets the road, y'all. This is the thing we... We talk about even less in Christianity. Here's the fourth thing. To follow him, we have to leave all. To follow him, we have to leave all. What did these these men do when Jesus called them to follow him? What was their response? It says immediately they dropped everything, right? They put everything aside and they went after him. You notice some of the things it says that they left behind? It says that Simon and Andrew, they left their nets, okay, right? Because they were what? They were fishermen, right? It's, it talks about James and John later in this passage, and it says how they, they dropped, or they left their boats, and there's another thing it says they left. Did anybody catch it? It says they left their father. Okay, Here, here's what tends to be the two most important things in our lives, not just then, but today. It's our careers what we do, and it's our most significant relationships. It's family. It's people we love. And what did Jesus call them to do? He said, follow me. What did the disciples do? They left everything. They left it all. Listen, in, in 21st century Christianity, here's how we present following Jesus. Say a prayer, you'll forgive your sins, and everything is happily ever after. You get to go to heaven, everything is good. 
You know what Jesus' call was? It was to forsake all. This isn't the Christianity that wins masses, right? Because I want you to see this, Luke chapter 14. This is Jesus is talking about the cost of following him. In Luke 14, we're just going to look at a couple verses. Verse 26, it says, Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And we drop down to verse 33. He says, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Here, here's what Jesus says. And we get sometimes freaked out on this because it's like, okay, I got to hate my mother and father. And some of us are like, hey, I'm already there. All right. <laughs> and my kids and blah, blah, blah. I got to hate everybody. Yes, I can follow Jesus. No, no, no. Here's what he's saying. In comparison to your affection for me, God says, man, you've got to be willing to leave everything and everybody behind. And unless you are willing to do that, to take up your cross, you know what the cross was? It wasn't like this rainbow and unicorns and glitter kind of thing. It was an instrument of execution. It was an instrument of suffering. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you better be prepared to suffer. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be fulfilling. It's going to be full of life, and it's going to be rewarding. But it's going to involve being willing to forsake all. Listen, some of you that are married, if you're familiar with wedding vows, and a lot of wedding vows, one of the wedding vows is this. You recognize this phrase? Forsaking all others. You ever heard that phrase? What does that mean when you're getting married, when you're saying vows to your spouse? When I say those words to my wife, I am saying that every other female on the planet is now off of my radar. All right? Andrew is no longer available. You are mine and I am yours. I have eyes and affection for no one else. It's you and me, baby, right? This is the declaration. When I say, I'm forsaking all, does that mean I hate every other person? I don't have relationships with any other person? No, no, no. That means my devotion, my affection is for you and you alone. And everything else and everyone else pales in comparison because I am devoted to you. And I will go through hell or high water with you because we are one. And when we decide to follow Jesus, we don't get in this so that we can have a fire escape to get out of hell. We get in this because we want to follow Jesus because we believe that's where real, full life is found. Amen? And for some of us, maybe we were duped from the beginning. We just thought, this is my way out of hell. No, no, this is so much more than that. It's about full life in Christ. To follow him, we have to be willing to leave all Listen, for some of us, God may call you to leave your career, to go be a part of starting a church, to be a missionary. Some of you, God may call you to transfer jobs, to be a start of a new church starting up somewhere else. God may call you, listen now, 
and this is personal to me, God may call you to leave some of the people you love most because he wants to use you to reach people. Listen, for, for a lot of you, maybe God will never make that drastic of a request of you. But I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to leave everything? To follow him? This is what he calls us to. And let me say this, because we've left family, we've left things that are important to us for the sake of the call. Here's the incredible thing about God. He won't leave you empty-handed. He will give you family. He will give you relationships. He will give you things so much bigger and better when we are willing to follow his call. And so to follow him, we've got to be willing to follow, to leave all. Because here is the reality. He is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Does God have everything? Does God have it all? And so this morning, man, God is a good God. He wants your heart. He wants your availability. He wants your willingness to follow. He will do the work. Listen, he will transform you. He will use you. He will work through you. But it's all about having the willingness. John 3.16, a verse we... Many of us know as football season is starting up, you see the signs all over the stadiums, right? John 3, 16. And it says this. This is the gospel in one verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him. You know what he's talking about? God so loved the world that whoever, any single one that would believe, any single one who would believe, could have eternal life, that could know full, everlasting life. So the reality this morning is that he loves you. He loves the world. He pursues people. He reaches people. How does he do it? One by one. One by one. If you have a relationship with Jesus this morning, it's because Jesus came after you. It's because you were the one he pursued until he got a hold of you. If you are here in the room this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, I'm telling you again, he is after your heart. That's what he wants. He's not after your money and your stuff. He is after your heart. This is how we change the world. One by one. And so my question for you this morning is this. Who's your one? Who's your one? God's not calling you to reach 7 billion people or 2 billion people or whatever the numbers are. He's calling every single one of us to play a part and to reach one. And to be a life that is full and overflowing, that is following after Jesus and inviting others into this full, abundant, life-giving type of life. This is what he's calling us to and so I want to ask you this this morning and this week, would you make it a prayer of your heart to ask God this question? God, who is my one? Who is the one? Students, as you are heading back to school this week, man, 
here would be my prayer for you. It's not just God keep them safe, God protect them, but God, would you help them to be on mission where you've placed them? That, li- that their academic life wouldn't just be about succeeding in grades and athletics, having good friendships, but God, would you use them? You didn't put them there on accident. You put them there to be a light in the darkness. Listen, for every single one of you that steps into a workplace tomorrow, God didn't put you there by accident. You didn't take a job for the money. God put you there specifically to be on mission. God didn't put us in Lugoff or Elgin or wherever he put you on accident. He put us in our home, in our community, our neighborhood, because he wants to use us for the sake of his mission. Who is your one? Who is the one that you can be praying for, that you would ask God, God, give me a burden for this person that doesn't know Jesus, that I can pray for, that I can be a light to, that I can invite into my life? Who's your one? Because can you, can you imagine if, if every single person at Friendship took this seriously and said, God, would you give me one person, one person this year to pray for and to pursue and to love and to be a light to? What could God do through us? What could God do in our community? If every one of us would say, God, who is my one? God, would you use me? And so you hopefully got one of these bookmarks this morning. One of the ways that you can participate with us is I wanna wanna invite you to take this with you. There's a a Bible reading plan on here. there's also, if you're following along in version, there's a, a 30-day prayer and kind of reading devotional that's in there that you can sign up for, do it every single day that kind of expands on this. We're going to post social media posts with this stuff every single day to remind us to be praying for our one. And this kind of top part here, there's a tear-off part. Don't tear it off, or if you did, that's okay. <laughs> Hang on to it. We're going to come back to this next week. But I want us to spend this morning, next week, asking and praying for God to give us our one. That God would put somebody on your heart. Some of you, you know it right now. That person you work with, that person you play ball with, that neighbor. Who is it that God is calling you to reach out to with the love of Jesus? And so would you, would you join me this week in praying for that? If so, would you say Amen. Father God, this morning we come to you. We're grateful that you are a God who hears our prayers. You are a God who pursues us. You are a God who answers us when we call. And God, I know that there may be folks in this room who are new to this whole church thing, who are curious about who you are and this life that you have to offer. God, I pray that you would do the work that you do that you would continue to draw hearts to yourself. God, for those of us that know you, would you remind us this morning of this incredible reality that we didn't come after you, we didn't come and choose you, you came after us. You came seeking my heart and you would not relent 
until you captured it. And Lord, for the folks in this room this morning, you're still after their hearts. Would you keep pursuing them until they open their hearts in willingness to you? God, for every one of us, would you help us to remember our calling? God, that you have chosen us, that you have called us to full life in Christ and in community and on mission. God, that you want to use us. And so, Lord, I pray for every single one of us that this morning, this week, you would would do something in our hearts, that you would reveal to us, you would put on our hearts the one person. God, maybe it's a dad, maybe it's a mom, maybe it's a son or daughter, maybe it's a friend at school, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's that person across the street. God, who is it? God, we don't want to just enjoy the blessings of being known by you, but we want to make you known. We want to be used by you. And so, God, I pray for our church that you would use us to do what only you can do, that you would take these weak and foolish but willing people and that you would use us for your glory's sake. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we continue to worship the Lord?
We're going to move into a time of offering as we continue to worship. If you're on the front row, would you grab that basket, pass it on back. If you're new with us, feel free to let that basket pass you by. You can stick your connection card in there or in the black boxes as you leave. We're just thankful you're here this morning. Hey, why don't you all have a seat as those baskets are moving back. Um, The reason we give, the reason we do what we do in giving our offerings is not just to keep the lights on around here, believe it or not. We do it in order to reach the world, to live on mission here and across the globe. One of the cool things that we have coming up in a month, this Who's Your One series is, is leading up to something. On September 15th, we are going to be having what we call Back to Church Sunday. How many of you all remember this from a couple years ago? Anybody here remember that? A handful of you? All right. Um, we are doing this. Is, this is churches across the country. This is nationwide that are inviting folks back to church uh, because if you look at the landscape of our country, I mean, a lot of folks, what once used to be normal, just going to church on a Sunday morning isn't so normal after all. But the cool thing about this, this initiative is that the reality is that eight out of 10 people would, would accept an invitation to come with you to church. And so we're, we're asking, as you're praying about who's your one, as we look down the road in four weeks, we're going to do this incredible event on Sunday where we're going to have um, multiple food trucks, I believe two or three. We're going to have four inflatables. Um, man, it's going to be an incredible day. We're just inviting folks to come back to church and to worship with us, to hear who Jesus is. And man, we just want to love on them. So we're going to have this party out on the lawn after our second service. And so as you leave this morning, we're going to have some personal invites for you to have. So you can be thinking and inviting folks out to our Back to Church Sunday. We all do that with me? Amen? Yes, yes, yes. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. So we'll talk about it more as we approach over the next few weeks. But I'm excited for Back to Church Sunday. Um, a couple of things I want to talk about real quick. Um, you know, as we're talking about back to church, obviously tomorrow is back to school, okay? And so many parents are going to be throwing parties all day long. I know how it's going to work, all right? Um, so we as a church, uh, last week, if you were here, you, you remember I challenged us to participate in this kind of, I don't even know what we want to call it, Starbucks challenge, all right, where we just want to bless uh, the personnel of our, of our school district, of our Kershaw County School District, our teachers and our educators, administrators, coaches, uh, bus drivers, lunch ladies, janitors, everyone who serves and invests in our kids. And I threw out this challenge. Hey, what, wouldn't it be awesome if we posted a barcode with this huge gift card and we just invited teachers and educators to go by Starbucks and grab a drink on us, knowing that we are praying for them for the school year, that uh, we love them, we support them. And uh, man, I threw out the challenge and y'all have responded like over and above anything I could have imagined. Uh, as of last night, it was over $1,750 that you all contributed. Amen. So good. So what we're going to do is this evening, I will post on the Friendship Facebook page uh, a, a thank you. Okay, and I'll have a barcode, and it'll be for all the teachers, all the educators, saying thank you for what you do. We're praying for you. Go tomorrow on the first day of school, before school, after school, uh, all day tomorrow. Uh, it may last into Tuesday. I don't know. It may last the morning and be done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of Kershaw County School District employees, um, and we're just trying to touch uh, a little portion of that. Uh, but I'm going to post that tonight on Facebook, and here's what I'm asking you to do, to be our army of 
Facebook shares, all right? So if you know teachers or educators or coaches or whoever, like tag them in the post, all right? So we're gonna put that out there. We just wanna know that we are here, we are for them, and we love them, all right? So would you do that with me tonight? Amen, come on, yes? All right, Jack, come on up here. A couple other things. So, um, is this on? There we are. There so uh, that is really cool, by yeah. the way. I love that idea. In fact, we were talking about this in staff meeting on Monday, and I told him, I said, you know, when Andrew first came up with that idea of the Starbucks thing, I told him, I said, man, I almost thought to tell you, you know, let's just focus on a school or something like that. And I said, but you know what? I said, we got a big God, and I think we can touch, you know, everybody. So, and, and so I, I, I really thought that was a cool idea. So um, another cool idea that wasn't mine, but I'm going to take credit for it because me and my wife are partners, you know what I mean? So she came up with this idea a couple weeks ago, so, and she's the idea person. So, and I told her, I said, as we were talking and we were, and, and my heart is, and you guys who have been here for a long time know this, my heart is to reach the lost. I mean, um, man, I'll get broken. <laughs> Good Lord, I'm doing it already. Um, man, I just want to reach lost people, you know? And so one of the things that that, that that being with my heart was, I remember me and my wife talking, and she says, you know, they do this tailgating thing at Lugolf Elgin High School, and, and, you know, what would it look like if we went as a church and bought five of those parking spots for this tailgate club at Lugolf High School, and maybe we just did, like, our own little tailgating thing out there? And I looked down and I said, you are a freaking genius, you know? I was like, Dad, I love that. And so I brought it to Andrew, and, and, and you know, we talked about it. He said, dude, I love it. Let's do it. And so we're going to do it, you know. And, and, and it's, it's one of those things that, um, man, if we want to reach the lost, there's no greater place in Kershaw County to reach the lost and to go to our high school on a Friday night during a football game when just about all of Lugolf will be there. You know, my thing is like, why are we waiting for people to come to church? You know what? We're going to take church to the people. And so uh, this Friday, actually this Friday is a home game against Westwood. We will be tailgating out there. And what we would love for you guys to do is come be a part of that, man. Just We want to show up and show out for Christ at school, you know, which is awesome. Because, you know, a lot of times we can't do that at school. But, you know, we're going to go there at school and we're going to show up and show out for Christ. And I'm praying that, you know what, God will use this maybe to say, man, What's going on with these freaky people over here? You know, it's like, uh, we just Jesus freaks, man. We just come to love on y'all. And so we want to make a, um, basically just represent out there uh, Christ in the way that we just fellowship with one another. But maybe as people are walking by, man, it may be a buddy of yours. And you'll say, hey, man, come over here and let's hang out a little bit. You know, and maybe that's a way to maybe start that conversation. And maybe, just maybe, as that person's walking by, which is cool, maybe that's the one that God has put on your heart. So again, we will be there tailgating. We would love for you guys to stop by. Some of you guys may want to get involved a little bit more. If you do, please come talk to me. I'd love to tell you how to get a little bit more involved with that. So, But cool thing, every home game this year, we are going to be a force out there. And we would love for all you guys to come out there and just kind of celebrate with us before the football game and man, and just, you know, fellowship. So just fellowship. So one other thing is this, man, student pastor here, uh, and, and, you know, we didn't even talk about how we're going to do this, but I just feel like this is what God's calling, you know, saying, hey, this is what we need to do. If you are a, um, a student, if you are a high school, middle school, grade school, it doesn't matter, college, if you're a student, man, we want you to come down here real quick. So um, come on, don't, be, don't be ashamed. So I know we've got some in here. Also with that, if you are an educator, 
If you're an educator, if you have anything, if you're an SRO, if you're a lunch lady, if you're a janitor, we want you to come on down here. So, um, Why don't the rest uh, of you stand, too? Yeah. So, um, I lo- look at, man, this is awesome, isn't it? Yeah. This is awesome. So. Hey, if you're a... <clears throat> If you're a staff, anything, if you're a staff member or a youth leader, would you come up here and we're going to all pray over this yeah, group of yeah. folks. Well, I'm going to mess you up, man, because listen, I'm all, we do this on Wednesday nights. Man, if you would, we're going to just put hands on people, man. If y'all want to stand up with us, please, and, and just reach out, man. You can reach out. You can come down if you want to put a hand on somebody. And we want to pray over these folks as uh, they get ready to, uh, man, embark <laughs> on school, baby. I love it because I'm excited about school because my kids are gone. So it's awesome. So, um, <laughs> so if you would, let's pray real quick. Father, it is amazing. It is awesome. Lord, and the thing is this, is, is to see these guys and getting ready to, uh, as the school year begins, Lord, I pray for each and every one of these guys this week, Lord, first and foremost, that they are a light for you in the schools. Father, I know a couple years ago they tried to take prayer out of school, but here's the thing, man, they can't take you out of school, man, because we are representing you tomorrow. And I pray, Father, that these guys are a light, in the, again, in their schools, uh, man, in their classrooms, in the hallways, Lord. And I just pray the way that, um, man, they go about and the way they speak to people, the way that they, um, they, they, they just uh, hold themselves up, Lord, I pray, Father, that people see that something's different about these guys. And, man, that difference is Jesus. And so, Lord, as I pray for the students and I pray for the teachers and anyone who comes in contact with anybody, Lord, I pray this, man. As it says in 1 Corinthians 13, Father, I pray that the way we deal with one another is with patience first and with kindness. And, Father, I just pray, you know, we do that because that's, this world doesn't do that. We don't do that enough. But, Jesus, you still do it for us, and I pray, Father, we do it for others. Lord, I pray that you put a hedge of protection around these guys, Lord, that sometimes schools get a little crazy from bullying, from just um, just insane things that happen in school sometimes, Father. And I just pray, Lord, that, man, we just, um, that you just protect these guys during this time, Lord. I pray that you just use them, Father, and, and, and the way that they love on one another, the way that they um, speak to one another, Lord. And I just pray, Father, that, man, you just give these guys the greatest year ever. Lord, we just thank you for all that you do. And, Father, I just pray that you be with these guys in an amazing way this year. In your precious and holy name, amen. Amen. You guys have an awesome week. We will see you next Sunday.